Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile After Podcast. This is episode 179 called Peter Murgatroyd. Today's episode is sponsored by Prove, a women's health company dedicated to providing information and solutions on key fertility hormones so they can reach their goals faster. Prove founder Amy Beckley, PhD, invented the first and only FDA-cleared PDG test after her own battle with infertility. When she learned that her seven miscarriages and two rounds of IVF could have been prevented by an inexpensive progesterone supplement, she set out to help other women better understand the success of their ovulation from home. Prove's newest kit, Complete, allows women to measure all four key cycle hormones that impact conception from the comfort of home so they can get pregnant faster. With just one test kit, you can better understand ovarian reserve, identify up to six fertile days, and check for successful ovulation. And now the free Prove Insight app takes your hormone knowledge one step further by providing numeric hormone levels, info about what they mean, and personalized action plans to help you reach your fertility goals faster. That's not all guys. Prove also offers an entire suite of at-home hormone tests and hormone supporting products to empower you with the right information on your journey. Okay, so you know I love female-founded companies and products that can truly benefit anybody battling infertility. So definitely check out Prove. It's spelled P-R-O-O-V. You can go to provetest.com, P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T.com, and you can enter the code ALLY25, and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. Again, Infertile AF listeners are getting a special discount code, so go to provetest.com, P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T.com, enter the code ALLY25, A-L-I-25, and you'll get 25% off your first Prove order of $25 or more. Thanks, Prove. Today's episode is sponsored by Extend Fertility. Since we're talking about taking charge of your fertility, knowing what's happening in your body, and your fertility treatment options when trying naturally isn't going the way you planned, it only makes sense for me to partner with Extend Fertility, a fertility clinic based in the heart of Manhattan. Extend offers next generation care by combining exceptional clinic experience with a small practice environment where your needs are their main focus. Extend Fertility was founded on the premise that democratizing fertility care could ultimately change the industry and deliver better results. Since they started offering all infertility treatment options, Extend Fertility has helped thousands of patients on their fertility journeys, putting them in charge of their fertility future instead of letting time dictate the path. Extend wants to make all fertility services within reach financially, offering rates 40% below the national average cost. Extend Fertility also believes in being personal and data-driven. They're passionate about delivering fertility care in a more compassionate and transparent way. And to help proactively explore your fertility options, Extend has an exclusive offer for all infertile AF listeners. If you schedule a consultation with Extend and mention that you're an infertile AF listener, you will receive $500 off your first IVF or egg freezing cycle. You guys, that's huge, 500 bucks off. So like we said, accessibility is very important to them. To schedule your consultation and to learn more, visit extendfertility.com. Again, it's extendfertility.com for $500 off your first IVF or egg freezing cycle when you mention infertile AF. Thanks, Extend, and thanks, Dr. Klein. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause 
a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited for today's episode. Peta Murgatroyd, as you know, is on Dancing with the Stars. She's one of the pros. She is effing amazing. When I flashed out that I was going to be having her on my show, everybody was like, I love her. And I do too. She's so incredibly cool. As you guys know, she's married to another pro on Dancing with the Stars, Max. And they have a son named Shai, who's now five years old. So today, Peta is going to tell me all about her secondary infertility journey that she's still in the middle of right now. So Peta and I are going to talk about all the things, her three miscarriages, dealing with loss in the middle of her Dancing with the Stars season, why she felt embarrassed and ashamed by having miscarriages, which I think so many people can relate to, why she feels it's so important to talk about it now, how she and Max have dealt with it together, and what happened when she started IVF, which just started in June. So she is incredible. I'm super honored to have her on the show. Thank you so much, Peta. And without further ado, this is PETA's Infertility Story. First of all, thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really thrilled to share your story. And I love how you've been so open about everything you're going through. I'd love to start with your son who's five, right? Did you always yeah. want to be a mom? You know what? I didn't. I I thought that I only had those feelings come up in me like when I was about 28. But prior to that, I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll wait for as long as I can. Like I always wanted to be a career woman, always be working. Um, I didn't know how I was going to be pregnant and have kids and still be able to dance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And which is, uh, you know, such an immature way of thinking really. And just, um, a little ignorant, but it, it only kind of hit me when I was 28 and I was like, Oh, cause I had met my now husband, Max. And that was when I was really had those feelings of like, Oh my God, I would, I would love to have a child with him. So yeah. And then I guess it happened quickly. We had a baby out of marriage and we were engaged. And then I think I was pregnant six months after that. And yeah, it all kind of happened naturally. And the first time we tried, so it was easy back then. And right. not so much. <laughs> I had the same thing with my daughter who is now almost 13, actually, you know, I, we didn't have any problems with me getting pregnant with her. And I had, you know, secondary infertility four losses between her And my son, who I actually ended up having through IVF, as many people who listen to the show know, but let's talk about you and Max. Like when, when you guys started to try for the second baby, was there a conscious effort there? Was it, you know, we want to, we want to give shy a sibling. We want to have a big family. What was the train of thought? It was, it was, 
I had been ready a year prior to when we had started, but I guess we were always thinking about the next job. And I, in hindsight, I regret that. It was almost like, oh, but Dancing with the Stars is going to call me. You know, mm-hmm. I've still got a season on my contract. You know, I want to do that season. And and then it just got to the point where I was, it was 2020 and I was dancing with Vernon Davis on the show at that mm-hmm. point. And I just decided to, we decided, okay, let's give it a go. Let's do it. I can dance pregnant. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up getting pregnant uh, the first time we tried again. So Max mm-hmm. was just like, woohoo, I've got super sperm and like totally you know, <laughs> manly thing. He's like, I can do anything, you know? <laughs> right. Where you guys uh, like, this is a piece of cake. This is every, yeah. you know, every time we try, it just happens, right? Yeah. And then I was pregnant for about a week and a half, nearly two weeks of like pure bliss. And then I just knew something was wrong. And then it happened and it had mid-season. Um, I was still dancing. I was still on the show and it oh, was wow. very traumatic. It was awful. I'm yeah. so sorry. Was this the miscarriage when you were in the Whole Foods that you were talking about in 2020? Okay. Yeah. yeah so so what did happen to people that might not have read the People article or heard you talk about this before? Was it bleeding or pain or... So the day before it happened, I was feeling a little ill. I was feeling a little sick and I I didn't get any nausea in my first pregnancy. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's different, different child, whatever. And then the next morning I jumped on the treadmill for literally 15 minutes. I did a jog. I got out, had a hot shower and a blob of blood just fell on the floor after the shower. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Again, trying to keep positive, telling myself like, don't freak out. People get their periods. Like, a full period during their pregnancy. I know plenty of women that have had that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I couldn't get hold of anybody. I think that was one of the other traumatic things was I was calling every doctor I knew. Mm-hmm. Nobody was picking up. I was leaving voicemails. I had to take a car GMC in to get fixed. Something happened to it. Mm-hmm. And I walked across the road and I was still bleeding, just spotting at that time. And I went to calm myself down. And again, nobody was getting back to me. Um, Max was out and I just had to take myself to the toilet because it got a little bit too bad for public, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like I couldn't just sit there and let this happen anymore. So yeah. took yeah. myself to the restroom and yeah, and that's where it happened. And it was so bad. <laughs> it was I'm just so bad. sorry. It's such a traumatic experience. It is. And you know, one of the things you said, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, nobody was giving me answers or giving me advice. Like finally the nurse got back to me and she said, oh my God, was it was a, a lot of blood? Was it a little bit of blood? And I said, well, now it's a lot of blood and I need to know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> so then mm-hmm. I drove myself in and they gave me a blood test and yeah, I had and had a I'm so sorry. One of the things I wanted to ask you about that I thought was really relatable was you said you were kind of embarrassed and like ashamed and you know, you said, this is your quote. I didn't even know how to utter the words and have that sentence come out of my mouth. I had a miscarriage, which I think is so common and relatable. Yeah. Tell me about that shame and embarrassment. Why do you think you felt that way? Uh, I, I, number one, I guess it was just maybe an ego proud thing. I'm a dancer. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm an athlete. Like how could this happen to me? Uh, that was my first original thought. And that might sound crazy, but I was like, I take care of myself. What's wrong with me? How could this happen? I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe it was the treadmill. And then all the blame started coming on. I was racking my brain to think every second of the day, what did I do? What did I eat? Did I, did shy jump on me at that point? Mm-hmm. But 
I pondered over how I was going to tell the six or eight people that I had told that I was pregnant. I pondered over it for weeks. I kept Mm. it a secret while they were still asking me, how am I feeling? Are you excited? And I would just lie. Mm. I would lie to the, my housekeeper that would, I would be with all the time. And I, I, I was very ashamed of lying. And then I was just, I couldn't even describe how I was going to start the conversation. I didn't know, do I sit people down and I say, hey, can you please stop asking me about this now? Or was it a sad topic? Was it a, I, I didn't know how to begin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I also didn't want to be in a constant sad state having mm-hmm. to tell each every person. So yeah. I was trying to find a time where I could tell each couple at a time and just kind of weave it in there and weave it out. But you probably know what I'm saying. It's hard to explain. Totally. I just felt I didn't know how to say I don't have a baby anymore. It's hard to kind of unwind that. And it's hard to even broach the topic because you know that it's going to be an exhausting conversation. And it's almost like reliving the trauma every time. And, you know, then you get all this sympathy, but it's like, sometimes you don't want that. It's just, it's, it's tough. That's, That's a good thing. I didn't really want the sympathy because in my mind, the next month I was going to be pregnant again. You know, I was just like, what if I don't say anything to anybody? And I wait a couple months, I get pregnant again, and then I'll never have to say it to anybody. You know, I had all exactly. of these, all of these things going on in my mind, all these different scenarios where I could keep it under wraps. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. I felt terrible if I didn't say anything. It was just building up. So yeah. And were yeah. you still working at the time? So were you still on that season when this happened? So how did you? I mean, I'm so impressed with. I have to say, like as women, we're like such badasses, right? Like going to work and doing what we have to do and putting on a brave face and all that. How did you do it? How did you go to work every day and go about your life every day? So that was my first thing is that I didn't know how, I didn't know how to call dancing with the stars and tell them I could say, you know, I, I I'm sick, but I didn't want to lie because they're going to check up on me and ask why I'm not there. Can we have a doctor's note? Like all of this stuff. And I didn't want to tell them. I didn't want to divulge the information that I had a miscarriage also. I wanted to keep it to myself. So mm-hmm. ultimately I just, when I have no choice, I'm going in. Mm-hmm. So I went in and it was, it was dreadful having to put on a happy face mm-hmm. when knowing that I was so utterly sad on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard to mask. Um, a couple of people asked if I was okay during those weeks and, you know, I wasn't my normal bubbly self and I put on, put on a show yeah. You know, I, I danced until, until the end. And, um, yeah, it, I, I didn't know how to tell dancing with the stars that I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what about Max? Like, how are you guys doing as a couple? I've been really open about the fact that just infertility in general was really hard on my marriage. And there was a point where my husband and I were like at an impasse and I wanted to keep going and he was done and it's just right. so complicated. So, you know, how is he dealing with, the loss and grieving and were you guys grieving differently or? Yeah, I, I do agree with you in that it is hard. He, he's a very supportive guy. Um, I think we grieve definitely in different ways. I think the miscarriage, the first miscarriage hit me so hard that he did have to sit me down after about four months after that, because it was pretty much four months of like heavy grieving mm-hmm. where I was crying most nights in bed next to mm-hmm. him. And, you know, He's not going to cry every time with me, but he's there with me. And he had to sit me down and say, listen, you have to get back to yourself. 
you won't be able to get pregnant again if you don't try to be happy again and try to accept it and move on. But it was really that I was in denial. Mm -hmm. I was heavily in denial that this ever happened and that I wanted to try to erase it and get pregnant the next month and the next month and the next month. And it wasn't happening. I, I, I spent eight or nine months not being pregnant after the first miscarriage because I was so, you know, the energy wasn't right. You know, I didn't have that happiness going into trying to get pregnant again. It was just like, I have to be pregnant, you know, mm -hmm. um, the fastest way possible. But he was very upset with me. The second one, he was very upset. He was away again. He, I told him over the phone, he had to stop the tour bus that he was on with his brother and get off and have the conversation. He was crying and it was, it was mm -hmm. devastating because he, he felt terrible that he wasn't there for me again, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think men just grieve in a different way. He yeah. was and you know it did along the way he had talks with me he's like well it's hard for me too mm -hmm. you know it's hard because I want to be a dad too you know he's 42 he mm -hmm. wants to be a dad again and again and again and mm -hmm. it's not happening and he's sad too and he doesn't know how to handle this situation but I will say that I should have gone with my gut as soon as I had my first miscarriage I knew something was wrong Mm. I knew that it wasn't just a bad egg. Everyone's like, oh, it's pandemic stress. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Right. Next one will be good. You know, I listened to everybody around me except for myself. Even Max was like, you don't need a fertility specialist. You're crazy. Yeah. Your hormones are raging, you know? And I would sit back and I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I should just chill, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was wrong. I was wrong every time. And I should have listened to my gut. I should have taken myself and I would have had two more babies by now. I would have mm -hmm. been a mom of three, you know, in this time span. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I got to think of it that way. Absolutely. You know? So imagine also just going through this in the public eye. You're worried about things leaking out or things being your story being told without you being behind the driver's seat, right? Was that a concern too, that like something might slip out into the news that you didn't want to or anything like that? In the end, yes, because I was starting to have those fertility appointments mm -hmm. and I didn't realize, but that was one of the main clinics that other mm -hmm. celebrities, the bigger celebrities than me, like I'm not a celebrity like that, but like big <laughs> people have mm -hmm. gone in there and they have been photographed and, you know, coming out of there. And I didn't realize that. And one person told me that they said, Peter, be very careful when you go in there you might get your story leaked. And I was like, oh gosh. And that's when I sat back and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. want that to be leaked before I get to say my word. Absolutely. I want to ask about something you mentioned earlier, which I think is such a good point where you're saying, you know, you're healthy, you work out every day. And then you realize that that doesn't really go hand in hand with like reproduction. So, which is such an interesting point because you would think you're healthy in every area. Like this should yeah. be, something that goes along with it. What did you know, like about your fertility before you got into this whole world? Like, cause I admittedly didn't know much, you know, I thought IVF was for people that wanted to have multiple babies. Like I was so clueless. Well, yeah, I thought IVF was so taboo. You only mm -hmm. do IVF if you're like a broken woman type of yeah. thing, you know, yeah. and you know, you have nothing left to give, you know, there's, mm -hmm. and I thought it had such a dark stain on the word IVF, you mm -hmm. know, and I was so ignorant and so wrong. And just because I had no idea that it could be for multiple reasons. And, you know, I was getting pregnant easily, uh, mm -hmm. but I just couldn't sustain it for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I guess being able to do that 
little portion of, you know, the fertilization outside of my body has been the gift because that's the part that you can't manage um, and look at while it's happening. So Mm -hmm. having scientists, as you know, look at it under a microscope and Mm -hmm. be able to get it uh, genetically perfect and to pl- implant it back in, that's that was my issue that we mm-hmm. couldn't see that little second ha- part of it, you know. Right. So was it three losses that you had before you went to a specialist? It was three. Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry about that. So what made you finally decide, you know, I'm, I got to see somebody? It was my second miscarriage where I, I had, after my second miscarriage, I went to see like a hormonal doctor where and I found out that, yeah, my hormones weren't optimal for everything. Mm-hmm. But I kind of said to myself and Max, I said, if this happens to me one more time, that's it. Mm-hmm. I said, it is so bad for my mental health. It is such a traumatic thing to go down and I don't want to affect my family anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to put Max through this. I don't want to put my son through this. I don't want him to see me cry anymore. And, you know, I just... I want to know and I want to have the answers that I should have had after my first miscarriage. And I need to do my due diligence in finding out what's really wrong with me. So when you went in, did they, were they able to give you, you know, a battery of tests and a diagnosis? I know you mentioned that you finally found out that you were, you have PCOS, right? Yeah. So we did a lot of tests and I mean so much blood. I'm sure you know. What you, <laughs> you feel like a pin cushion, right? Oh my gosh. It was just constant and constant ultrasounds as well on top of that. And mm-hmm. um, you know how it's so time specific, you know, in your cycle, it's like you're testing progesterone and estrogen at a time, and then you test them again in three days. And it's just a lot. And yeah, they found out that my hormonal levels looked like I had PCOS. Mm-hmm. So that was that was it. And I kind of walked out of there with a piece of paper and I felt great about myself. And I, I don't know whether I should have felt great or not, but I came out with like answers that mm-hmm. I could tangibly like show my husband. I say, here, this is what's going on. You know, now right. we get to figure out a way around it and figure out how we're going to get the next kid. Absolutely. So. I think that's, that's a big part of it is getting some sort of diagnosis, even if it's not great news, it's like, but at least we know how to address yeah. this issue and you've got a plan. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So what was the, what did they tell you to do? Like, what was the treatment plan? So we had the option of keeping trying naturally. And I, I do believe that I could have gotten pregnant, but it might've taken me five years from now. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait. I I really felt like I was on a time crunch. Shy just turned five. So I really Mm -hmm. feel like I want him to have a sibling and grow up with a sibling and not be 10 by the time I get pregnant again. Mm. So I kind of put it into full steam ahead. We did try one month of having, they gave me extra hormones to take, a couple of pills to try it naturally, but just boosting my hormonal levels Mm -hmm. didn't work. I don't know why, but we went away for the weekend. We did it right. We did like Mm. a little spiritual cleanse and everything. Wasn't meant to be. So I walked in there straight away the next day and I said, called Max. I said, I'm doing IVF. Goodbye. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walked in there to Dr. Surrey and I just said, listen, let's go. I'm ready. And it was so gratifying. I was so happy. I was just like, I have my answers now mm-hmm. I can move forward. Right. And it's almost like that thing of you were listening to your guts, right? You said you knew all along something was wrong. So it's almost like a justification too, where you're like, I knew it. I knew something yep. was wrong. Right. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so great that you advocated for yourself and you did go see somebody. 
So how long ago did you, did you start this IVF process and everything? And where are you right now? Um, it's about beginning of June. I really kind of put my foot down and, and made that decision. Right now we have made embryos. Mm. We have fertilized eggs and we are just waiting to hear the number and the gender. Okay. The gender That's of them. exciting. But yeah. It's just a waiting period, as you know. Right. Um, so you did a retrieval and you're doing some testing and waiting for the results of that? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do believe that at least half of those 40 eggs at least are going to be not viable. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 35, so I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't have these super high expectations of, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to have 40 babies there. Right. No, I'm right. going to have hopefully, you know, two. <laughs> right. Amazing. So, and how are you feeling? Like, how are you feeling mentally? How are you feeling physically? How did you respond to the stims and all the drugs and all that stuff? Um, at first, I mean, right now I feel mentally really great. I feel happy. I feel yeah. confident and just yeah. hopeful. Body is like still, it's, it's weird. When I first started taking the injections and the stims, I didn't feel like I was gaining weight at all. Like yeah. I was like, wow, this is okay. I'm, I'm fine. You right. know? And then Dr. Sari is like, oh, just wait a second, you know? And so, yeah, I have definitely gained like five to seven pounds. I don't feel like myself as in body-wise, I feel a little bit absolutely better after the egg retrieval because Mm -hmm. after my egg retrieval, my stomach was huge. I don't Mm -hmm. know about yours, but it Mm -hmm. was five months pregnant, huge. Okay. It was like that for a good four days before it started to calm down and go back to normal. And I I was like, is this is this normal? Because my stomach's really big. And they said that's because we were up there a long time because we had 40 eggs to aspirate. Right. So normally people have, they said, like three to four eggs that we're grabbing, but we had to grab 40 eggs out of you. So it took longer. That's why you're going to have a little bit more downtime. And I was like, okay. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, I feel my body doesn't feel the normal, Peter, but my mind does. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned before we started recording, I'd love for you to say again, why do you think it's so important to share your story in the public eye and talk about this stuff? Because it's just not spoken about enough. Again, I was ignorant. I didn't know how many people are actually having miscarriages. Women are having miscarriages. How many of my friends and colleagues and acquaintances that I've met along the way have said, Hey, I had one too, you know, three years ago. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I thought that there was something majorly wrong with me. And, you know, I'm the only one out of my circle and it's just not spoken about enough because it is so huge. There's millions of people that this is happening to. And again, I thought it was such a small portion, like, you know, 0.1% or whatever. It is like Mm -hmm. one in four women Mm -hmm. have a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So that blew my mind. And Mm -hmm. I I, I love that you're doing this podcast because people get to be included and they get to share their stories and mm-hmm. not feel like you're an outsider and just not alone. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And last question is if you, you know, somebody might be listening to this, who's just in the shit right now, you know, they're just having a terrible time and feeling really down. Do you have any words of advice for someone who might be new to the infertility world or just not really sure what they're doing? Anything you've learned along the way that you could pass along? I think my best advice would be to feel what you need to feel and don't apologize for it. If you're having bad days, have a bad day because along the way, I really tried to not have some bad days and it's okay. And I 
if you need to sit and cry for a whole day, sit and cry for a whole day because the next day is going to be beautiful and you're going to be smiling and you can be hopeful. But I think just really listen to yourself, listen to your gut and, and, and know that you are the best person to make the decisions for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks again to PETA for sharing her story. We are rooting so hard for you. You guys can follow her story. She's really open with it now on Instagram. And of course, watch Dancing with the Stars. You can see her and Max, hopefully, again soon. And I just want to thank her again for being so open about everything. It really helps when people who are in the public eye talk about this stuff, as you know, blasting stigmas and just making it more comfortable for anybody to talk about. So PETA, I can't thank you enough. And also guys, if you're looking for more support, definitely check out Fertility Rally, which is the community that I co-founded. It offers four support groups a week. We have two private Facebook groups. We have so much content, so many videos. We have IRL events. We have Fertility Rally Live twice a year, which is our all day event with speakers and giveaways and community. And it's just the place I wish I had when I was going through it. So we're 400 plus members strong throughout the world. If you want to join us, definitely reach out. Check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally. You can DM us with questions. You can also DM me always at Stories on IG, or you can email us at thefertilityrally at gmail.com. So check out Fertility Rally if you're seeking support. Thanks again to PETA and to Max and to Shy. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next time.